The cool down is making climate topics actually interesting to learn about. They give you easy tips on hacks to waste less and save money. They have awesome product recommendations and they can show you the coolest tech that's going to make our lives way better in the future. All you have to do is go to thecooldown.com to sign up for their newsletter. You can also follow them on Instagram. This is a topic that's going to dominate the next decade plus, and it's a good time to get smart on it. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and... They're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did The Vanishing, a movie that was poorly reviewed and did not do well in the box office. And yet, Chris Ryan and I, we love it very much. It was on cable basically for 10 straight years, starting in 1993. And uh, just the definition of a rewatchable. Drink the coffee, Jeff. If you want to experience exactly what Diane experienced, you must drink the coffee. That was my bad Jeff Bridges imitation. Coming up on this podcast, we are going to talk about LeBron James and the scoring record. I went to the Laker game tonight. I'm going to give you my full report and a bunch of additional thoughts. And then after that, Peter Schrager comes on to talk about Chiefs, Eagles, and a bunch of the NFL storylines from this week. And that's it for the pod. We had a double double parter on Sunday night. And then on Thursday, we're going to do a big deadline extravaganza for the NBA trade deadline. So stay tuned for that. Let's bring in our friends to Pearl Jam. All right, taping this, it is a little after 10.15 Pacific time, Tuesday night, just came back from the Lakers game. LeBron broke the scoring record. It was a surprisingly awesome fan experience and basketball game and memorable and one of the strangest, fun, I guess that's a new category, the strange, fun basketball games. It was incredibly fun. It was hard not to think about 20 years of LeBron while you're watching it. Um, the number one thing, I, I don't know, I've heard other people say this and I've probably even said it, but I was just thinking nobody has done a better job delivering on the hype from an early age than this guy. Really, like 
if you just said it when he was 18, he's going to win four rings and four MVPs. He's going to make 13 first team all NBAs and he's going to break the scoring record. I think we would have thought that was ambitious, even for the uh, amount of chosen one stuff that was happening. And it was hard not to think about that tonight. He's 38 years old. He had his, his wife and his three kids there and Jay-Z's there and Denzel's there. And that's when I didn't think he was going to break it tonight. I thought he was going to stretch it out this week and take it to Thursday. Got there super early, walked around. And the more you talk to people and you're like, oh, he's, this is happening tonight. Like he wore all black coming in. Everybody was there. And I think he just wanted to get it over with. And there was a vibe from the moment, uh, the first time he didn't score for the first couple of minutes. And then when he hit his first shot, everybody just lost their mind. And it was like watching somebody try to score 60, like in the, with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, only the whole game felt like that. There was this energy of just like, just give the ball to LeBron, just give it to him. And every time he got the ball, people were just standing up and um, the energy was awesome. And then Westbrook would come in and he would freeze LeBron out and drive into three guys and people would get so frustrated. They just wanted LeBron to have it. But back to that hype thing, um, this just turned out as well as I think it ever could have. You know, I've, I've talked before about how you almost have to think about LeBron like a child actor or a child celebrity because by the time he was famous, he was 15, 16 and had just a ton of obstacles growing up as a kid. Just all the, all the ways you can get screwed up when you join the league and you have that much pressure on you, all the people that want something from you. And he just was able to insulate himself with these family, with his family and these friends and some chosen business people. And just the biggest mistake he ever made was the decision. Was that in retrospect, was that even that big of a deal? Um, took care of his body, was set a good example for everybody. And it all led to this night. And um, they had this t-shirt that they handed out to the people that went to the game after, some Nike t-shirt, but it said on the top, broke the record, but that was never the goal. And you could feel that during the game because he didn't play like LeBron in this game. He was kind of ball hoggy because he wanted to break the record and we wanted to break the record. So you think like the normal LeBron game, I always thought this should be like its own stat. Like we have triple doubles and a 27, seven and seven. It was like a LeBron game. That's like his career average. It's a typical LeBron game. If you go to any LeBron game, he's going to get 27, seven and seven. At least it's just going to happen. And you know, he always lets the game come to him. I remember I wrote in 2014, I wrote a piece about whether he was a genius, which I decided that he was. And they, it's actually one of, one of my favorite basketball pieces I've written. Um, one of the things I loved about him, especially at his absolute peak, was he would solve whatever was going on in the game. And I always thought like he was like a queen of the chessboard type of thing, where it's like, oh, what does this game need? I'll do this. And a lot of that hinged on you know, the quality of his teammates, which is why the piece I wrote in 2014, I was like, look, this Cleveland, going back to Cleveland story, that sounds great, makes for a great narrative, but he's going back to Cleveland because it gives a better chance to win. He wants better teammates. He wants to win multiple titles and Cleveland is a better chance. But what he really wanted was like toys to play with. And he's had that in various ways over the years, never really got there the first Cleveland time. In... The Miami run, there were moments like the 27-game winning streak, um, some of the stuff that happened in the 2013 finals, especially when the Spurs really took them to the limits and the Heat had to go up a level and LeBron had to go up a level. Um, 
And then in Cleveland, like in 2016, 17, offensively, he figured out some stuff and he kept kind of adding things. But, you know, he really was a team guy. And that's what, what I think like the basketball nerds like myself really loved about him. Like he always made the right decision, almost to the point early in his career, you know, he took shit because, you know, he'd pass up a game winning shot because somebody had and the team had a better shot. So watching him tonight just kind of go for the record, it was so atypical of him that I thought it threw the Lakers off. The Lakers ended up losing to OKC. There's other reasons they lost, but um, he was playing an atypical LeBron game. And it, in a weird way, made you realize like just that he was out of character because he had been in character for 20 years, which made it so probable that he broke this record in the first place. He was never a go for the points guy, you know? And I, I think there's been games and he had some great ones over the years when he really had to go for it. He had to score 40 points or he had to really over and over again, try to get to the line or whatever. And he could get to 39, 40, 41, but it was always because it was probably the best way for them to win. I don't think he ever really wanted to play that way. I think his ideal line was like 29, 10 and 12. Um, so tonight he couldn't play that way. The Lakers aren't that good. He wanted to get the record over with. Um, there was some really weird stuff. I'll, I'll get back to LeBron in, in a second, but just really weird stuff that I'm going to remember from this game. Westbrook was like unhinged. Westbrook, the whole team's wearing yellow warm-up shoots in the beginning, in the layup line. He's wearing, the only one is not wearing a shirt. He goes, he leaves right after the game's about to start, goes in the locker room, comes back out when he's about to play, not really interacting with anybody, not really interacting with LeBron comes in and it's just kind of like he's, he, he, to me looked, and I was with my friend Noah and we both agreed, looked like he was just kind of pissed, like that they tried to trade him a couple of days ago, that LeBron had that tweet or, or whatever the interview where he said that, you know, he admitted he was bummed out that they didn't make the Kyrie Irving trade. There's only one way to make the Kyrie Irving trade. Russell Westbrook had to be in it. So this has been eight months of Westbrook getting yanked around and the best guy on the team and, and one of the best players of all time and the guy who's about to break the scoring record is basically like, man, I wish we had traded Russell Westbrook. And he just had a certain energy to him. There was a moment in the first quarter when LeBron was wide open and Westbrook just had a chance to throw it ahead to him for a layup and he just threw it out of bounds. And we were like, that looked intentional. What was happening on that? So they didn't really interact. Even when LeBron broke the scoring record, Westbrook, like it was no, he he just kind of stayed away from it. And, you know, LeBron had the whole thing. The game stopped. He had the whole thing in the middle of court with the family. And then he went over to the teammates and Westbrook was standing at midcourt. It was very strange. It really, if, if, if it's not Westbrook's last game for the Lakers, I would be shocked. Um, so that was weird. And then Davis, who I made a joke, I, I tweeted during the game, it was an honor to be there with two retired Laker legends, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Anthony Davis. He was like a zombie. I don't know what happened to him. I thought he was healthy or relatively healthy. Um, OKC doesn't even really have size. And I know it's weird. LeBron's going for the record. Maybe it's hard to figure out how to fit in. But he was a step, two steps slow the whole game. Wasn't protecting the rim. OKC was a layup line over and over again. They're beating people back door. And they're, the Lakers aren't getting 50-50 balls. Davis wasn't getting 50-50 balls. He was bad. I watched that game thinking, man, maybe the move is to trade Davis. <laughs> like if they want to make the playoffs, maybe try to get two guys for him. Um, I know they're not going to do that, but it was just bizarre in that it's kind of the way he's played since he came back. He's had some strange things, which leads me to like the bigger piece. They, they lose this game to OKC. 
they're now 25 and 30. They're third worst for uh, for points allowed per game. I think it's like 118.6, which is like, you're almost like an expansion team at that point. You're giving up that many points. Um, I don't know how Kyrie was going to help this. Watching tonight, that team is so bad defensively. They're so disorganized. They have so many below average defensive players. They have no ability to switch. They're playing like this half-assed zone at a couple different points. Um, and you just think like Kyrie was saving this. This is Kyrie was the missing piece. Kyrie doesn't guard anyone either. So you could say, oh, they would have outscored anybody, everybody. And maybe that was the goal if they got Kyrie Davis and LeBron. But the way Davis was playing tonight, LeBron, 38 years old, I don't know if he has the ability to, you know, be the lead guy in a title team at this point. Seems mildly unrealistic when you're talking about guys at their peak athletic powers like Giannis and Tatum and Jokic and Luka. Um, I just don't know where this team goes. And back to the teammates thing and back to 20 years of LeBron, like he's always kind of ebbed and flowed with his teammates. And I think one of the big reasons he left Cleveland was he realized he wanted to play with better people. The same reason he left Miami. And eventually I think he left Cleveland because he wanted to live in LA, but also that team was kind of coming to a dead end road too. This is now, you know, one of the most bleak supporting casts that, that he's had. OKC, at least if you just watch this game, I know this isn't the case, big picture, but if you just watch this game, it looked like OKC had three of the four best guys in the game. Giddy, um, Jalen Williams, the wing, who's absolutely incredible. He was incredible. I, I, I was so psyched that I saw him in person. And then SGA, who was just a walking bucket and was getting mauled by Patrick Beverly the whole game and the refs weren't calling it. Didn't matter. SGA still got to his 30. I don't know where they go. I don't know what they do. Does Bradley Beal make this better? Like, Noah and I were driving home. We were saying, like, the, if they traded, they traded Davis to Chicago for Vucevic and, and Levine, is that going to ultimately change anything? They traded Westbrook and the two picks to Chicago for just Levine. Is he making a difference? Or Bradley Beal? They trade one pick for Bogdanovich. Is that going to change what I saw tonight? Is he going to help the defense? They're so deficient on the wings for defense and for just, you watch them against a young, hungry team like OKC tonight, and it's just, it's bleak. So on the one hand, an amazing moment for LeBron, but on the other hand, I left the game thinking that team's fucked. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the move is. So, you know, could they get Durant? Could they put Davis and one of those picks and something else to do Durant? Maybe it's almost like they need to think higher than like that Beal Levine level and, and could they take a bigger swing or just do nothing. And LeBron broke the record. I think the big thing for him tonight was this weirdly was the moment that he became a Laker. As strange as that sounds, he won a title for this team, but it was a bubble title. There were no fans there. There was no parade. There was not a lot of fun moments the last couple of years other than that one bubble season. They looked like one of the best teams in the league heading to March. All of a sudden the season stops. It comes back. Now there's no fans. And in general, he felt like a guy that was passing through town in a lot of ways. And tonight was a night like this was an awesome moment. Um, I think the vibe with the with the fans was like, I'm so excited to be here tonight. This is great. I'm here for history. And LeBron's a piece of that. LeBron delivered that. So in a weird way, kind of became a Laker tonight. I know we brought them a final. I get it. 
I get it. But, uh, you know, with Magic and Kareem there, there was a little torch pass thing. And it was an amazing record. Um, he had, they had some stuff where they had, uh, they had s- some tributes from his family and then they had a tribute from his mom and then Joe Biden, which was greeted by laughs and booze. And the guys behind us were like, Joe Biden was like, congratulations, Kareem on breaking the scoring record. It was really funny. I was, that was probably the comedy highlight of the night. Um, but for the most part, pretty emotional night, pretty cool night, great basketball moment. I'm so glad I was there. And it's always weird to go to a game where they're stopping it. In this case, in the third quarter, because somebody broke a record. Also, there's 200 people on the court and it just, everybody's got their phones out and it just felt like real history. It felt like a finals game, um, which is why I showed up early because I wanted to walk around, talk to different people. And it was like, it felt like June. So that unfortunately might be the highlight of the Lakers season. I think we might be headed that way. I said, I wrote in that column I mentioned in 2014, um, I wrote, Magic and Bird were done before I graduated college. Jordan came and went before I turned 30. Duncan, Kobe, Hakeem, and Shaq never quite got there. All of them were great, but they were never all caps great. Durant might be a magnificent scorer and an even better teammate, but it's hard to imagine him getting to that last level. After him, you're looking at Anthony Davis, someone with an infinitely better chance of becoming the next Duncan than a basketball genius. And there's nobody on the immediate horizon. This might be it for a while. And I said, I was there for Larry. I was there for Magic. I was there for Michael. And I was there for LeBron James. And then the comment a little bit after that. But I still feel that way. Those are the those are the four best guys I ever saw. I saw Kareem, you know, when he was really at his all-time peak in the 70s. I don't really remember it. I remember more 80s Lakers cream, who's still incredible, but was not at the same kind of level. And other than that, like... You know, you think of the current guys, Giannis to me looks like he's going to be in that Duncan kind of Kobe, Hakeem, Shaq level, but not that last, last level. Luka, I think definitely has a chance. Jokic, not sure yet. I don't want to rule it out because offensively he's such a genius, but the thing, like I was thinking about LeBron's career um, in all the different little checkpoints he hit, right? where I wrote in my basketball book, there were four Jordans, right? 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, 4. 4.0 was like the last Bulls Jordan, the 96, 97, 98 Jordan, where it's like not the same athletic ability, but the smarts and the know-how and just the experience. And he was just an absolute murderer at that point. There's three versions of LeBron. I think the 1.0 was 03 to 11, probably ending in that uh, terrible Dallas series. Then the 2.0 version was 2012 to 2018 as he kept, he just started to figure it out and add stuff. And I'll get into that in a second. And then this 3.0 version was this 2018 to 23 version where athletically he's not the same guy, but the smarts and he's like that older guy in the pickup game who just knows everything to do, all the right places to be. He could just get any shot he wants. And in a weird way, like he's averaging more points the last two years than I think he's ever averaged. But athletically, he's not, I don't think, the same guy. He's stronger. He's more physical. He's figured out some bully ball stuff. But um, I was thinking about some of the checkpoints for him. 
the most important moments that kind of propped him with the peak being 2018 game one, 2000, uh, 2018 game one finals, which is the best game I've ever seen anyone play in person. But the checkpoints to me, and I, I might have missed a couple, but this is just from a basketball standpoint. He lost the jump ball in game seven with like a minute left against the Celtics. There was a jump ball and him and Pierce went for it. And Pierce was just stronger and tougher and got the ball. And you can go back and watch on YouTube. And LeBron came back the next year just stronger. Like that was never happening again. I felt like that was weirdly an important moment for him that um, he didn't get the ball. Pierce got it. Pierce was stronger. He was older. He was tougher. He had a little more know-how and he just wanted it more. And LeBron just wasn't strong enough. Came back, he was strong, won two straight MVPs. Maybe that ha would have happened anyway, but I do think that jump ball was important. 2011, the finals, how Dallas defended him and how they exposed some of the holes in his game because the rule was like, let, your, let LeBron shoot from 20. He's not really going to post up. And Dallas took it to a whole other level and the Jedi mind tricked him. They were putting smaller people on him, famously J.J. Barea. Um, they're putting kid on him. They're just throwing off. Marion was on him a lot in that series, which I think people forget. But they just threw all these different looks at him and his brain kind of broke. Um, they just, they, they broke him. Comes back the next year, it all leads to that game six in Boston, which I wrote about um, when Boston's up 3-2 and they just break him. And, but he, they didn't. It, if anything, it flips the other way. And LeBron has one of the great games of his career. And that was when it's like, all right, now, now we know you can't break this guy anymore. So now how is he going to elevate as an offensive player? Um, 2013 finals. That was when the Spurs, they tried to Jedi mind fuck him again. They, they were like, we're going to give you the 20 footer. We dare you. Give you the three. You can take it. You're just not getting in the basket. And Zach Lowe wrote a piece of it. He did a really good piece on his pin this week. And he talked to LeBron actually about it a little bit, but he he mentioned a specific shot. And I remember this because I covered that finals and we did TV for it when near the end of the comeback or near the end of the game where they came back, like a minute left, LeBron was driving right. And the guy five years later would have just pulled up and taken a 17 footer. But this LeBron like didn't want to take the shot and ended up passing off and it was bad play and then didn't score. Miracle comeback, they win in game seven he's taken that shot and it's like he just kind of willed himself. Yeah, I think he had 37 that last game. The evolution of him from game six and game seven. Game six, he played nine of the best minutes I've ever seen him play. If you're just talking about a stretch, there's nine minutes there and I think I, I wrote about it at the time um, where he just did everything, where it wasn't just the offense. Like he was doing anything he wanted on offense, but then defensively he was like Scottie Pippen in 1992. Like it, it was just unbelievable to watch. He was such an amazing athlete back then. Not that he's not now, but you know what I mean? He was just like, there was just nobody like him. He was like Jordan Cross with Pippen. Um, but that somewhere along that series, he just kind of willed himself to start making those shots. So that was a checkpoint. Then I think 2016, those last three Golden State games where he really was starting to match the IQ stuff with the body. Not that he wasn't a genius already, but he just he was just solving the Warriors. And there was that, I've talked to Steve Kerr about this, that when he got the two threes in a row over Azili, and he just, as soon as he just got him in a switch twice in a row, and the first time, um, 
Azealia didn't jump out enough. And then the second time he baited Azealia to jump in into him. I think that was the sequence. It was the, one of the times he baited him to jump in, the other time he did and He just was yo-yoing Azealia. And uh, it was like watching a masterclass. So you have that. And then the last one, I think, was the best game I ever saw him play. The game one of the finals when he's just bully balling um, Golden State. And, you know, from a score standpoint, that game, that 2018 game one, he had 51. He had 51, eight and eight. He was 19 for 32. Made three threes and 10 for 11 from the line. But when you think of the difference between him in 2011, the way Dallas was defending him versus all the stuff he added, all the strength he added. And he was just like this, now he was almost like watching uh, Derrick Henry running through the line. You know, he could just, anytime he wanted, bully himself to the basket. And he really bullied the Warriors in that game. They couldn't stop him. That was, you know, the 2017 is the best team I've ever seen. Um, them or the 86 Celtics. The 18 team was still 95% of that team. And it was basically them versus LeBron. And he was kicking their ass. And then J.R. Smith fucked it up. But um, going backwards, when you just talk about him as a scorer, because I don't, I, this has been an error this week, but nobody thinks of him like a scorer, even though he's a scorer. But you think of like the scorers, like Bernard King, Kevin Durant, you know, the, the, just the people that you just knew them for the buckets. And you got a ton of buckets. As we found out today, he broke the record. But man, you go back through some of his great games. In the 08 game seven against Boston, that jump ball game I mentioned, he had 45. He was 14 for 29, 14 for 19 from the free throw line. And then it starts to dip a little, like 2010 game five against Boston. This is before he started really adding the weapons. He was three for 14. 2011 game four against Dallas. This was the famous true stink bomb from him. Six points, nine rebounds, seven assists, three for 11 from the field, 0 for three, three points. Now you go a year later, that game six against Boston, 45, 15, and five, 19 for 26, only made two threes. And only five free throws. It was just anything he wanted, jump shots, layups, it was getting it. I mentioned that 2013 game seven against San Antonio. That was 37, 12, and four, 12 for 23, eight for eight from the line. So, and then you just start going through some of those Warriors games. 2015 game four, which was a must win. They ended up losing, but he threw everything at them. 40, 14, 11, 15 for 34 field goal. Little like tonight where it was like, I, I'm getting the record. That night it was like, we have nothing else. I got to keep shooting. Um, 2016 game five, when they flipped the series after Draymond got suspended. 41, 16, and seven. 16 for 30 field goal. Um, 2017 game three against the Warriors, which was an awesome, awesome, awesome game. People kind of have thrown away that series. Golden State one and five. Game three was incredible. Durant hits the big shot to win it. LeBron was 39, 11 and nine, 15 for 27. And then this twosome, he hit these two games in a row. 2018 game seven, Boston plays 48 minutes. 35, 15 and nine. 12 for 24. And paced the game in a way that I don't ever really remember seeing before because he knew he had to play every minute. Team wasn't good. He was on the road and just a game. He's just picking his spots. It was a little similar to the flu game, which, uh, not the flu game, the, the game where Jordan made the shot against Utah in 98. And then that 2018 game won 51, eight and eight. He goes 19 for 32 and 10 for 11 for the line. So he evolves from that 2008 game when he had 45 against Boston 
mostly jump shots and free throws to now he's adding, he's got the bully ball. I'm just getting to the basket. You're not stopping me. He's got the little turnaround. Um, he's got that 20 footer down and he's just got an arsenal. And, you know, I really think he was a great scorer. I know that's like, oh, wow, really, Simmons? That's your take? He was a great scorer. But, you know, I always think like Durant is a great scorer. I think Durant's the best scoring forward I've ever seen. But I feel like I haven't given LeBron enough credit for what an awesome scorer he was. I mean, 40,000 points is in play now. Um, the scoring record, it's, it's a weird record because like with baseball, I knew what the hits record was, right? It's like, oh, Pete Rose needs to get 4,192. Um, I knew what the Lou Gehrig record was. You go on, like, you know what the 33-game Laker winning streak was. You know the numbers. And this number, it's like Kareem has a record. It's 38,000-something. Um, and yet, if he gets 40,000, I'm almost more impressed by that than the Kareem thing because that opens the door for him to have 40,000, 10,000 assists, 10,000 rebounds, which I don't think anyone will ever do again. At least while I'm alive, 40,000, 40, 10, 10 club, probably not happening. Um, the thing with Kareem, Kareem really gets boned by having the four years in college. He finished, like his first three years as an NBA player, he scored almost 7,800 points. You figure if he has, if he just skips college, which was not the rule back then, he's probably got an extra like 7,000. I wonder, it would be funny if Kareem was just, <laughs> if he was like hot take guy, like, you know, I would have, if we didn't have the rules were different, I would have had 46. Um, the other thing with LeBron, he's got 7,631 playoff points. So the 50K combined is in play. And, um, and the durability just has to be mentioned. Like usually centers are the only ones that are this durable. LeBron, you think like all the guys in my pyramid, um, you go on down the line and all of them had some sort of injury, right? Like, I guess Russell didn't and LeBron, but Jordan, like Jordan broke his foot. He went to play baseball for a couple of years. Um, Bird had the, Bird had the back stuff. Magic disappeared for a few years, obviously. Um, gone down like Wilt missed, I think the 1970, most of the 1970 season. West had a bunch of injuries. Um, Oscar's body broke down pretty fast. Go through each guy. Shaq missed a lot of different time with a lot of stuff. And LeBron just, it's like, what was LeBron's worst injury? <laughs> I don't remember. Like he, he hurt, uh, I think he hurt his knee in 2019. 2015, he was, he was back was bothering him or his leg. I don't remember, but he just never had a major one. So the durability. And then the last thing with him, that was a thing we talked about a few years ago and then we forgot is we talked about the GOAT argument. I think it's him and Kareem now for greatest career of all time. And LeBron probably has a slight edge, but you forget Kareem has more MVPs and he won more titles. Um, so it's those two in that conversation. And the GOAT conversation is, I still feel like it's Jordan and LeBron and Russell and Kareem. I think the four of them have to at least be discussed. And you have to ask what you want. Um, the one conversation that I think LeBron might have won is, is that if you had five of the same guy and you just had a, a team of one guy and it was a bracket and it was that team of one guy against that team of another guy, so you have five LeBrons, five Jordans, five Kareems, and you go on down the line, five Birds, five Magics, which five would win the bracket? It's probably LeBron. 
And then if you made it so that it's the five versions of a guy. So with LeBron, maybe you go like 2008, um, 2010, 2012, 2016, 2018, something like that. You actually would have a really good team. Like the 2018 LeBron could probably play center. But the five LeBrons theory is one of my favorite. If you're going to make the case for the GOAT, and as, as I've said, Jordan is my guy. Jordan's going to be my GOAT. That's, that was um, the, one of the big theses in my basketball book. But the five LeBrons thing is pretty tough. The, the people arguing the LeBron GOAT stuff, you have a lot of shit to argue. You have, he's got the points record. He's third in minutes. He's eighth in threes. He's fourth in assists. This is all time. 35th in rebounds, 11th in games, 5th in points per game, 27.2. He's 3rd in PER, 2nd in win shares. Then you go to the playoffs, he's 1st in games, 1st in minutes, 1st in points, 6th in, in points per game, 3rd in threes. He's had 18 All-NBAs, 13 first, 3 seconds. That's the most. He's had 174 playoff wins, that's the most. And it's still going. And I think the shame of this, whether you hate the Lakers or not, is that LeBron's team kind of sucks. And it sucked for a couple of years. And this was not the most awesome way for this to end. Um, had he not signed the extension, I think he would have probably pushed for a trade this week, even though his son is about to be in the playoffs for Sierra Canyon. Um, I think the rings are going to really matter to him as this keeps going because he's going to have all the other stuff. But from a GOAT standpoint, people are still going to point to all the Russell rings. They're going to point to all the Jordan rings. They're going to point to the Kareem MVP and and all the rings he has that's just both are more than a LeBron. And, you know, he can win the greatest career thing, but he's going to need to be in the mix. I, it's just going to be so sad if you love basketball that you're just going to waste this guy's talents on mediocre teams for the rest of the way. And that's how this might play out. And it's because they traded all that stuff for Davis. They traded all that stuff for Westbrook and they don't really have a lot left. So there's a lot of pressure on these next two days. We'll see how it plays out. My guess is they made a deal with him that they would make a trade when he signed the extension. Should they do that? Should they give up those picks? Do you give up your entire 2020s to try to win with 38-year-old LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who seems like he's 38, at least tonight? I don't know, but... Regardless, it was an amazing game to go to. It really was. I really had a good time. I didn't even mind that I was surrounded by 20,000 Laker fans. Usually I mind. Tonight I didn't mind. Pretty good sporting event. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Peter Schrager. Let's take a break. Football fans, FanDuel is the perfect way for everyone to get in on the Super Bowl 57 action with a no-sweat same game parlay. That means everyone gets bonus bets back if your Super Bowl SGP doesn't hit. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel, if you already have an account, same game parlays let you combine all your favorite bets for a much bigger payday. Start building your own or just bet a popular SGP already made for you in America's number one sports book. Stay tuned for the Bill Simmons podcast on Thursday. Where we'll be making up crazy bets like you do an adjusted Eagles plus seven and a half, Chiefs plus seven and a half, and bet Isaiah Pacheco to score two touchdowns. That'll get you some, that'll get you some juice. Isaiah Pacheco right now, plus 650 to score two touchdowns. Throw those other two. And now we're in the 10 to 1, 11 to 1 range. Yeah, that's what happens when you do SGPs. If you're new to FanDuel, sign up promo code BS when you download the app. Either way, you'll get bonus bets back if you're no sweats. Same game parlay doesn't hit. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and a big friend of the ringer. Must be 21 plus in select states, three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issues, non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus, $5 unless otherwise specified restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, Peter Schrager is here. The Super Bowl is coming this weekend. It is a Fox event. You're working the Super Bowl, correct? Hell yeah, dude. I'm fired up. Um. Uh, pregame Sunday, I'm assigned to the Chiefs, meaning I'm the guy who's like, I'm at the team bus. Uh, I'm in the bus. Um, I'm, they're getting off the bus. So uh, right. I'm fired up, man. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Peter, then, how did Mahomes look leaving <laughs> did, the bus? Was you know, he crazy. limping? It's crazy. Spags was telling me as he was walking on that the defense is going to try to stop the run. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to bring all the gems. Um, truth of the matter wait. is I'm, I'm fired up. We got good morning football from Arizona, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday I'm in pregame and then I'll be on the postgame show interviewing all the guys. So fired up. But, nice. uh, you know, Super Bowl week, it's like there's there's different parties that I'm like sort of excited for, sort of dreading. And, uh, you know, the whole deal, it's back. It's post-COVID. We haven't had it like this in a while. You sounded, I thought you were going to do a Collinsworth for a second. Like, you know, the <laughs> you know there's so many parties. <laughs> you just got to behave yep. yourself. If you just get guy. divorced. This guy. Um, <laughs> so you had to do content all week with no games, Fuck. which means you have to go into the storylines and the narratives. There's a lot of narrative talk. So much narrative. A lot of putting people in perspective and legacies. Yeah. Uh, so what What was it? It was Mahomes was like the number one thing. What, give us the top three. Of, Let's go. What were top the go-to three. narratives? Top three. Andy Reid. Okay. Oh, Little Andy Reid, is he is he as good as Belichick, maybe? Kind of that There's a little bit of that. Hey, 14 years with the Eagles ended a little weird. Um, they thought they were parting ways and that he would take a year off after 
some tragedy in his life. And three days after they showed him the door, he signed on with Kansas City and just rebuilt mm. this franchise. Um, Andy against the Eagles. And when Andy got the job in Kansas City, over the course of time, brought over his GM, Brett Veach, brought over Steve Spagnolo, brought over Matt Nagy, brought over Greg Lewis, brought over all these different executives. Mark Donovan, the president, joins uh, Kansas City at, from Philadelphia. So this is sort of like a Philadelphia group in Kansas City going up against the Eagles. That would be one. Number two, I think, is something that is... Wait, can I, can I yeah, piggyback on in. that one for a second? Get in. Yeah. It's weird because it it does feel like the Reed versus Philly thing is like kind of a natural Super Bowl angle. So maybe that'll get going this week where it's like, wait, what really happened there? And, you know, my memory is, and I, I'm just doing this off the top of yeah. my head, but he was awesome in the 2000s. They had a great run. And then he kind of got the quarterback thing wrong and never really corrected it. And it seems like that's the thing that it doesn't matter how great of a coach you are, the moment you don't have like an awesome quarterback or a good quarterback or even like an above average quarterback, it doesn't matter. Here's You're what happened. Go eight and eight. I've done I've done all the work on it, and obviously I was covering it at the time. And it was the Dream Team Eagles, and there was all this excitement in 2011. And they had a couple other years, and they went four and twelve. And in the summer, his son tragically passed yeah. away, and it was like, all right, four and twelve. You know, Michael Vick was the quarterback after, you know, Kevin Cobb got injured and after McNabb was already traded to Washington. And it was like, yep. I think Jeffrey Lurie brought, you know, Andy Reid in. And I think the assumption was we both know it's probably best for you to take some time. And this has run its course. It's 14 years. And the story goes, and I forgot who wrote it, Paul um, Dam Damatovich, who is like the local Philly guy, he wrote it. And at the time, and it was, you know, when Andy was, was let go, it was like they brought him to the cafeteria in Philadelphia and basically every employee was down there waiting with like tears and like wanted to hug the big guy goodbye. And like, just, and he was, you know, like, no, I'm not taking a year off. I'm not doing like yeah. three, three days later takes the chief's job wow. and takes them from the number one pick all the way to the playoffs. And they've gone nine out of 10 times. So there is this kind of deal where it's like, I, no, I like to coach football and here we are. So that was how Andy's time. And in well, Philly then he ended. finally gets the quarterback thing, right? Even though McNabb, was, was really good. good in the 2000s. But I really think we good. felt like there was this extra level that he just never got to. And now he's actually become underrated. Yeah. And then from that point on, he's scrambling for to find the next guy. And it feels like he gets it with Vic, but it doesn't. And then it was like, oh, there's Kevin Cobb. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Then it was like, oh, man, Alex Smith. He's rejuvenated this guy. I was like, no, not really. Um, and it all leads to Mahomes. It does, and and he and Mahomes have been fantastic. The uh, the second storyline that's been beat to shit, but it's kind of interesting if you ask me. Still, is the Kelsey brothers thing, and this is a gimmick. It's fun. It's, but I don't know. I you know we know the Manning brothers are out there. They were both quarterbacks. Never played in a Super Bowl. We know that we've had the Barber brothers. We've had now. I've I deal with one of the McCourty brothers. You can go right down the list. There's a million football siblings. The Diggs brothers. I think these guys both might be Hall of Famers and they're playing against mm. each other in a Super Bowl and they are on different teams. They all both they are both playing the same position, but they're both going for number two. And each one of their stories is really interesting. You know, I, I had a chance to speak with Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, and I said, you know, the Yankees in the 90s had their core four, you know, and it was Posada and Bernie and and as you know it was Jeter and Mariano and those were the core four like they were the guys 
the Eagles, whether it's 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 Brandon Graham, it's Fletcher Cox, it's Lane Johnson, and it's Jason Kelsey front and center from that last Super Bowl team that are kind mm. of the lead guys on this team. So I identify like if you're telling me who's the face of the Eagles, it's Jalen Hurts. But who's the heart and soul of the Eagles? It's it's Jason Kelsey. And if you say, who's the face of the Chiefs? It's Patrick Mahomes. Who's the heart and soul of the Chiefs who's been there through it all? It's Travis Kelsey. So I think it's still cool. I, I know people are over it and like Kyle Brandt and I are having fun. He's like, wait, you're telling me they're actually they're actually blood brothers? No, dude, they're real. They, wait, the yeah, mom, the mom, they're, they're really like, it's going to get to that point. And, uh, you know, they've got a podcast that's doing well. Like they're hitting their apex, both of them right now at the same time. And I think it is a cool story. They're both facing each other in the Super Bowl. I don't know if Super Bowl, like all the storyline hype stuff matters as much as it once did because there's just so much more content in day-to-day stuff now. It's fair. That I, I just 20 years ago, it really felt like we were grasping for straws. I remember totally. I went to a bunch of media days. And Dude, just you took a like, photo. I remember you took camera shots. Well, you tried mixing it up. I remember you took all the oh, photos I did, yeah, that I did, one year. I did running. That was in oh, Miami? Rams Pats, I did a running diary where I just jotted down timestamp jokes and ran back and just typed them all out and eventually I, became a photo thing. But now I feel like it gets, I feel like the trade deadline has moved in a little bit on it yeah, this yeah. week, especially, but just in general, it just seems like there's more content. You know, those media days and they're having one Monday night. Um, I'll never forget. Like I, I used to go as a credentialed reporter and I was a junior guy and I would be like, this is my, you know, a chance for me to A, try to get a story out of this that no one else has. B, build sources. I'll go up to the assistant offensive line coach and try to talk him up and try to like build that. But C, it was like, that was the opportunity to meet a Bill Simmons, to meet a Peter King. Like to me, now yeah. it's like, I don't even know, you know, if that's even a thing anymore. It's just, it's at night. It's guys are on podiums. Like, I don't know. I Everyone, feel like it's way day, too self-aware. I, like when I wrote my first thing about it in 01, I really hadn't read anybody writing about like what the no. hell is going on here. And that was like, I was so excited to write the column. I was like, I haven't, I see this on SportsCenter or the local TV, but I don't really understand it. So what happens? And by around 2005, it, it did feel like it started to get self-aware. And now at the podiums and stuff, it's yeah, it was other animal. Plus the gambling piece, I think has really changed some of the Super Bowl hype because Back in the day, it was just it was like crazy. he's going to win. Props. Well, if there was like Sal and I talked about on Sunday, there was probably fifty props, something like that. And but in general, it was who's going to cover was maybe a small thing. Now the gambling feels like it's one of the biggest storylines leading up to the week. What's going to yeah. happen? Who do you like? What about what about this bet? How's this the line moving over here? Yeah. yeah. And that's become part of the dialogue, which is weird. All right, what's the number three story? The number three story, I think, is this Chiefs team and what they can put their stamp on. I kind of hit on it when we did it before the AFC Championship game, but yeah, there's been a lot of teams that have won one Super Bowl. There's a lot of teams who have been to multiple Super Bowls and won one. And I think of the Rams, for example, the Seahawks, for example. But like, you go through the decades, and I've said it, you know, the 50s were the Browns, 60s were the Packers, 70s were the Steelers, 80s were the Niners, 90s were the Cowboys. Two decades in the 2000s were the Patriots. Like, Chiefs win this one. You're talking two Super Bowl wins in five years, three appearances. The other two years, they were in the AFC Championship game. And they're the team of this generation. You know, your son is, what, 16 right now? Like, when he looks back 15. at his childhood, yeah. 15, Ben's going to say, oh, the Chiefs were the team. You know, just like... Uh, I've, I've absolutely hit him with a belt. It's says true, that. though. It's true, though. That'll be the team if they can get another one here. And I think the way they've rebuilt on the fly, I thought it was a very bold decision to trade Tyreek Hill, 
But I'll go through the numbers with you, Bill. It, they have, from last year's AFC Championship team, they have 24 different players on their roster. That's out of 53. That's more than 40%. 24 different guys. Tyreek Hill is making $30 million for the Dolphins, and I don't think the Dolphins regret that. He was a finalist for NFL Offensive yeah. Player of the Year. It made sense. Their wide receivers room totals $15 million this season, and they have hit on the draft. Like It's cool to watch these teams in a salary cap era rebuild on the fly, and yes, they gave all the money, and uh, Sean Payton calls well, You kind of have to do that if you're paying Mahomes have to. $50 million. You can't not... That's what killed the Patriots, ultimately, was they missed a couple drafts. Absolutely. And and Sean and Patriots didn't even have Brady, you know, making the, the big money. Sean Payton calls this the Supermax deal, which is an NBA term, obviously. But yeah. you get to that point where you're talking like the Bills, you know, Josh Allen, I think, is making close to, you know, something like forty million dollars next year. And, and okay, where are you gonna get better next you year? You just can't you can't miss. You that's, have to hit it. That's what happened the last couple Brady Pats years when they missed a couple drafts and all of a sudden it's like basketball. It's like what what's happened to the Lakers now with LeBron and Davis and Russ. And then it's like you just basically have to get lucky with Lonnie Walker and Austin yeah. Reeves. And you have to hit like seven of those you in a row to. just to compete. Um, so the Chiefs, it's like they don't, they pay Kelsey, they pay Chris Jones, they pay the quarterback. And then, you know, Juju's on a one-year, I think, you know, $10 million deal. You look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling is on a three-year, $30 million deal. These are all you know, economically sound, fiscally sound deals, and they're getting the most out of all of those rookies who are making nothing. I mean, Pacheco's a seventh-round pick. Jalen Watson's a seventh-round pick. So I think the construction the of the Pacheco team... The Pacheco one's... That's ridiculous. Because 17 you just shouldn't backs, be able to get... 17 running backs were taken before him this year. You just shouldn't be able to get a seventh-rounder to contribute. And we saw two of the final four teams like struck oil in the seventh round. That never fucking happens ever. Purdy and Pacheco. And then for the Chiefs, they also got this kid, Jalen Watson, who's starting at corner. And he's a seventh round pick. So, you know, I like that stuff. I like the construction of a team because a lot of teams would say, well, you know, we're paying this quarterback as much. Woe is me. Like, well, no, you just have to draft really well and you've got to coach him up and you've got to get going. Philly's construction is cool too. In short, you know, Hassan Reddick, three-year deal that no one was considering him as one of the top guys. He's one of the top sack guys. They got him in March. And when everyone else sits on their hands, what do the Eagles do? They go and they trade for A.J. Brown. They go and they sign Indomitian Sue. They trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They sign Bradbury. There's something to that to, hey, we're pretty good. Let's be great. Let's be aggressive. So I like both these front office stories also. The one thing with Philly I would add is they once became kind of a semi-sunk cost and they acted quickly versus kind of keeping their fingers crossed that it might turn around. And I think in general, what I, football and other sports, you just don't see teams like admit early. They're always admit late, right? There's always that extra year before you kind of admit defeat. Always. Like the Nets with Kyrie this year. We they they should have done that. They should have gotten out of that last year. So now, so now they get more 60 cents on the dollar. They get Dinwiddie and, yeah. you know, Finney Smith. And it's like, well, if we did it last year before all this, who knows what we would have gotten. Or or you reconstruct the roster. But just to think like, no, this will be the year it works out with him. Um, I think they got out of that Wentz thing, not only early, but they were able to they, get a pick from it. Got a first round pick from and, the Colts. And they and also the fired pick. They also fired Peterson when he was two years removed from a Super Bowl. And people were like, what are you doing? And they brought in Sirianni, who had never called a play in an NFL career. And it was just, it was what they needed. It was a culture change. And it was, he, they hit it. The Hurts pick, too, when when you already have Wentz. Not popular already, at the time. You already spent a lot of capital on a QB with a 
what was he first or second? I can't remember. He was second, right? Jalen Hurts or Wentz was the second overall pick. Yeah. So then and, you spend a high second on this other quarterback. People are like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they have somebody in Ricky QB. It is, the team construction's good. I think the there's some Mahomes stuff that um, I'm sure will get momentum as the next couple of days go. Just he's on, he's, I mean, he's on pace to have... I get it. Yeah. It's early. It's early. So, but like, you, you know, Brady obviously is in a league of his own, but stats-wise, you know, Mahomes is doing everything that Manning did and more. So there is something to it if he gets two rings at this pace. Not that he's going to get seven, but all right, there's that level and you do the pyramids all the time. Like, is Mahomes knocking on the top of that pyramid if he gets a second ring by 27? So we picked the Chiefs before the year. We both did. I think we were the, we had to have been two of the only ones, right? I think so. I think the Tyreek thing was looming so large and we were just like, screw it. They're, they're pissed off from losing to the Bengals. I'm really proud of myself. I'm going to take a victory good. lap. I'm Come really on, proud bro. of myself. I had some good zags. Buffalo was another one. Everybody was just going, going absolutely insane about Buffalo. I was like, wait, what? They, they blew a playoff game with 13 seconds left off a kickoff. Like, why are we so excited about this team? But mm-hmm. I, I feel good about that. On the other hand, I abandoned it and I thought it was going to be Cincinnati, San Francisco mm. heading into the playoffs. So I don't even know if I get credit for the Chiefs thing anymore. But we <laughs> talked about it two weeks ago, Chiefs-Bengals. Chiefs end up winning. I Every day I get away from that game and I don't really care. It's I, I didn't lose money on it like I did. I did. Uh, I teased the Bengals. So it, it's not like I'm like, oh man, it's not one of those. I still feel like the Bengals have to be sitting there thinking they left that game on the table. They had the ball twice in the last eight minutes, right? Yeah. With an awesome QB. They knew what to do, move the ball. And all they had to do was just go down the field and they're in the Super Bowl again. And then we're having a totally oh, different conversation about, about Joe Burrow. Is Burrow now the guy? This Bengals, yeah. was, could this be a potential half decade, like mini little, not dynasty, but run here? And they just blew it. And... The Chiefs, I think Jacksonville, I think they kind of blew that game. I know Mahomes got hurt, but that's my question as I look ahead. Like, like how lucky were the Chiefs to be here versus well, how good is this team? Is That's the balance. I'm that's thinking. fair. They earned that number one seed. I think they, they did. did. People would people would say, well, the Bills got screwed because of the game. Well, they earned the number one seed, and then they took care of business. And the Eagles, yep. uh, there's a lot of talk this week, and I think people are, are reaching for things a little bit, but there's a lot of talk about, hey, look at the quarterbacks the Eagles have beaten yeah, this yeah, season. Yeah. You know, they only played two you know, excellent quarterbacks. And it was Dak Prescott, who might not even be considered excellent, and Aaron Rodgers in the last two months. And they both, you know, one put up 33, one put up 40. Um, You know, they beat Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson in the playoffs. But my thing with that one is they knocked Purdy out of the game. Hassan Reddick blew past George Kittle and knocked their quarterback out of the game. That is not a freak injury. That is part of football. So to me, I... By the way, him. this is Jeff Chow, who, uh, who's been with me at the ringer for seven. Yeah. This is what he said. He was like, save me the boo-hoo about your injured quarterback. We knocked that dude out of the game knocked because you couldn't block. Because you had his, his back, backup tight end blocking Hassan Reddick. Absolutely. Like, that's what happens. I they didn't protect fair. him. I think it's fair. Um, as for the Chiefs in the Bengals game, I, I've had a lot of time to talk to people around the league about the officiating because I think mm. there was outrage over that. And... Yeah, it was. It was It was questionable. And obviously, a lot of those calls went in the Chiefs' favor. Question yes. is, what do we do with this? And I, I actually like informally polled a few coaches. And right now, there's some questions as to 
how these playoff officials are determined. As you know, they're all-star crews, which basically means they're graded by the league and they say, okay, the best referee gets to do the Super Bowl. The second best referee gets to do the AFC Championship game, the third, and the best line judges with guys. It's kind of an all-star team and they're really going at it more or less on the fly, okay? Well, I spoke to one coach who is very vocal about officiating and he said this, and I'd like to think your thoughts on this. He said, the ones who are going to bitch the most are the coaches. The fans are second. The coaches are the ones who are always going to be the ones to say, what the hell? Why don't you poll at the end of the regular season the coaches and say, rank your top 16 crews. The coaches know the crews inside and out. Rank them 1 to 16. doesn't have to be public. Keep it anonymous. And then the coaches are the ones who are on the hook when, hey, you get Carl Sheffers in the Super Bowl and you don't like Carl Sheffers' style of calling. Well, you guys voted on it, you know? Or Sean Hockley's calling a big game and you're not a Sean Hockley fan. Well, the coaches voted on it. I thought it was pretty interesting. We'll see how it's handled. But between not having full-time officials and this all-star crew type deal where they're picked by the league and a lot of I've never understood the all-star crew because I would think there would be a cohesiveness that develops over 18 weeks. And now you're just kind of throwing people together like it's an all-star game. At the very least, it would seem like, I don't know enough about NFL officiating to know who like the three most important yeah. refs out of the crew is. But at but the very say, least, it seems like spots. it should be, whether it's three or four or whatever, it should be those guys travel and then you kind of fill in the rest maybe. But yeah, look, you know my theory and I've had this theory dating back to when I was at Grantland that yeah. I think the league likes complaints about the officials. I think, they en- I think they feel like people are talking. This isn't a bad thing. People are used to this. And- I had a I had a thought like Monday morning after that that Chiefs Bengals game. Like we had this production meeting for Good Morning Football, and I'll take you behind the curtain. You know how these studio shows go, and they start off and they're like, "All right, let's talk about Mahomes' you know heroic play." And I said, "Guys, the conversations, the officiating. Should we start the show with?" referee radio is what me and Kyle call it. Like, you know, just call, call sports radio yeah. and complain about the, like, do we want to start it that way or do you want to start about Mahomes? And the audience, 99% of them, after we talked about the Chiefs to start the show, were like, this is bullshit. Quit covering up for the league. Like, talk about the officials. So people do crave it. That's what mm. they want. They want their blood. You know, they want their juice. And uh, we did get to the officials. It's we tough because the NBA, yeah, the NBA was in this spot in the 06 And I remember I wrote a really long piece about it because it was really like, it felt like a crisis where you had the officiating and and Miami, the Miami Heat that year was Shaq and Wade. For whatever reason, they were just a really hard team to officiate. Wade was driving the basket all the time. Shaq is the hardest guy to officiate in the last 30 years. And how they succeeded or failed seemed to depend on whether they're getting calls or not. And Mm. You could feel it headed toward a certain way in the finals. And then the finals became one of the big officiating travesties we've ever had. And everybody was talking about it, not just externally, but internally. And it felt like something was going to change. And something did. That that was when they really tried to revamp stuff. And um, When did the Suns and, and Spurs fixed. have the fight on the sideline? When was that? Was that around that, well, that, that So that time? was 07. That one All was this crazy. stuff changes yeah. over the course of three years. We get a re- guy in charge of the referees. Now we get the stuff where they give you the report in the last two minutes, yeah. all that stuff. I don't, I can't see Goodell ever saying, we're going to fix this. I think they think it's fine. Like their version of fixing it was adding the challenges and things like that. But for the most part, I just think they're going to assume there's going to be human error. Yeah. And guess and what? That's we're, how it's going to be. 
we're 13 days, whatever, removed from that game. And no one's talking about Ron Torbert anymore. We're on to the next. We're no. on to, you know, you said, like, hey, every day that removes, you think they had it, they had a chance and all that. But you said it yourself. Cincinnati had opportunities in the end. And usually in these games, there's a couple bad calls. Like, the one that, and and he, is he still hot on it? The, the, Nick, the Nickel Roby Coleman with the Saints and the Rams and the pass interference. Yeah, Sean Payton's was- still like, Sean Payton's like, I will wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and think it's not real, but it was real. And like, he's like, that is like the Minneapolis miracle. I can handle that. You know, Kirk Cousins coming down and Alex Smith beating us. That one was tough because that game we had, but I said to him and I, you know, I try to bust chops, but also seriously, like you're up 13, nothing at home against Jared Goff in the playoffs. Like you should probably win that game anyway. You know? So it's it's always going to be, that was always, that was one of my counter arguments because it was a terrible call, but they also choked and, let and them. they got the ball first in overtime. Yeah. And Drew Brees threw a pick. And you're like, right. right. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, but there that's is the no kind of worse stuff. loss than the bad call loss, though. Because the Oof. first terrible Patriots loss of my life was the Sugar Bear Hamilton game. And you still to this day. Yeah, third and 17. We got to stop. See, he nails Stabler as he's throwing it. It's it's it. They ha- they're gonna have to punt. We're gonna get the ball back. We can run out the clock. We had an unbelievable running game that year. And then the late <laughs> flag comes in, and all of a sudden we're losing. And I'm like six, and I, I'm like just oh, I'm having a freaking <laughs> meltdown. It's like I don't understand what's that. Explain it. They only have like the one replay too back then. Now they yeah. have forty replays that you could drive yourself crazy on. Those um, those Patriots teams. You know, I, it's right before my time, but I was I don't want to keep talking about. It. I talked to Jeffrey Laurie for a while, um, doing a piece on on the way the Eagles are are running all that, and he was a diehard Patriots fan. And was he, he grew really up, grew up? He was the guy. Like I don't you know, you hear this. the stories. Would listen to the transistor radio before bed, listening to the Boston Patriots and listening to the Boston oh, wow. Red Sox, of course. But like diehard Patriots fan, and we got going. You got to talk to him. We got going on like. 70s Patriots and it's you know I try I was before my time but I know enough but like I'm talking about and he's rattling off names and I'm like uh-huh uh-huh but like Bill like that is right up your alley you would love talking to him about it yeah it was I coincidentally was on YouTube today watching <laughs> zooming through a Broncos Patriots playoff what game year? from 1986 trying to so, remember how we ended up giving a safety with two minutes left and I ended up watching zooming through the last 10 minutes so this is after the Super Bowl year yeah, it was one year after the Super Bowl. Just getting mad at Tony Easton all over the yeah. game. Just, just yeah. at a random day. I'm like, why am I down this rabbit hole? But that's so 85. Happened. I love this, and I think your listeners, I, you probably think they're annoyed by this, but I love this shit. Um, they go, they go Easton to start the Super Bowl. Grogan comes in. What happens? Oh, 86. Yeah. They start Easton as a first round pick. Like this is our guy. We're Grogan going with comes him. in and helps us get to the Super Bowl. And then that they, was that year. You know, and then what happens the next year? That was 85. Year? Then the next year, Easton gets a job and Easton's it's really team. good. He is. And then he completely falls apart in the Denver <laughs> game and it all goes to shit. That's and that. he's one of the most reviled Boston athletes we have. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside 
LDA, 21 and up. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Peloton Spring the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. What's the feeling on this game? The line hasn't really moved. I want to talk, we got to talk about Sean Payton and a couple other things, but yeah. just quickly in the game, I'm going to do my million dollar pick on Thursday. Okay. Leaning toward Philly, right. but not, have not come close to locking it down. Um, I don't understand why the line's not like Philly by two and a half or maybe even Philly by three. There seems to be a Mahomes tax mm -hmm. with the line and people just being afraid to go against Mahomes. People looking at it like, I can't believe I bet on Jalen Hurts and went against Mahomes. What did I do? Like that kind of stuff. What, from the people you've talked to, is there a zag? Is it All just right. split 50-50? What do you think? I'll give it to you the way I can kind of compare it to recent years. Um, 2018, the Patriots play the Rams. Rams are red hot off, to, off that way with the Saints. McVay is the 33-year-old hotshot. Belichick, 66 years old. Belichick has all these veterans who have been there, done that. McVay, though, is the, you know... And when the game happened, it was the experience, the veteran coaching, and the been there, done that. Eventually, it was just too much for the Rams to overcome. They didn't adjust at halftime the way they should have. And Goff wasn't good enough to get them over the top and bring them all the way back. This might not be that kind of game, but I think if there's anything going into this, it is such an advantage that Andy Reid and that coaching staff has been there, done that, has been in all these big games, and as good as Nick Sirianni's been and as good as Shane Steichen has been on offense, and we love Jonathan Gannon's defensive front and what they're doing on the back end, like these coaches, they just have not had those big game experiences. Their offensive line coach has, a couple other coaches have, but for the most part, you've got those core four guys, you've got a few other guys on the roster, they've been there, but like when you're talking, you know, okay, we're going to the Super Bowl, we've done this, we've been there, those coaches, they've all been there and they know it inside and out and that's what I think might be the difference and then yes, Mahomes and Hurts, the, the gap in big game experience and Hurts still to this day, not having to win the game. Maybe that's just the way they win games, and that's fine, but not having to be the guy in the fourth quarter to put together back-to-back -back drives and lead his team 80 yards. Yeah, I'm thinking about narratives. 
So there's obviously the, oh my God, why did we go against Mahomes narrative and Jesus, come on, this Philly, who they play. And we, it's all stuff we would say retroactively if the Chiefs beat the Eagles. Yeah. If the Eagles beat the Chiefs, it's like, how did we pick then the Then the narratives become like, oh, why do we know? Like you always bet on the dominant lines. They yeah. had such a line advantage. And what were we thinking? And that's always going to win. And they're skill guys. And, you know, all the signs were right there. Why did we get thrown off by, they'd clinched in November. Why did we get thrown off by the last two months? And, um, we talked ourselves out of this team that was clearly better. I think that would be the narrative. They've lost one game where Jalen Hurts has started. Um, they've got the yeah. best offensive line in football, the best defensive line in football, and they've beaten their two playoff opponents a combined score of 69 to 14. They have rolled since day one. They had one blip with the Washington game. Other than that, not many close games. They blow teams out. They embarrass them, and they... They beat you and then they celebrate and they enjoy talking trash while they do it. Like they are yeah. a bunch of bullies. And if you want to pick them, we think the there's going to be, we think there's going to be Eagles fans, more Eagle fans in this game too, mm. by a long shot, right? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Chiefs fans travel really well. And if anything, it's the, hey, I did the Super Bowl a couple of years ago or I've done that experience. Like, Eagles fans have been there too. I, I think I'd be surprised if it's all green. I feel like a lot of Chiefs fans, they travel really well and they fill buildings also. Hmm. I think that's I a wash. Be more Eagle fans. You think yeah. that's a wash? I think it's a wash. I think they're both cold weather teams, and like we're in a post-COVID world where neither team has been to the Super Bowl since the COVID stuff. Like I, I don't know. I feel like that Tampa Super Bowl didn't really exist for Kansas City fans. Like this is their first time back. Um, where yeah, they could say that's COVID Super Bowl. Yeah, I think. Look, they travel. What's What's fun is, is, you know, to see the, the trash talk between the two teams because right now everything's being respectful, but they get on the field. Both those teams like to talk a little bit. So I think there's going to, this is a good one. The, the, the Eagles, their coach rubs a lot of people wrong. I love um, it. I he's think such it, like a fucking Philly dude. It's so he's good. Like a, it's like a WWE heel in a lot of ways. Yeah, we had great. He's really I mean, stepped into it the last eight weeks. He loves it. He loves they it. Have a couple, they have a couple real advantages in this game, Philly. Yeah. I think their defensive line, I, you know, that Chiefs O line, which is, I said this the other day, was one of the reasons I thought they were, they were my Super Bowl pick. It was like, oh, he's finally got an odd. Like, they're fine, but it, it, it feels like you can rush the passer on them and you can get to Mahomes. And I do feel like they have an advantage over the Chiefs offensive line, but I think they're secondary against these Chiefs receivers. I think they're going to be able to shut him down. That was the biggest reason the Giants were so bad in that playoff game their receivers couldn't get open because they had bad receivers. The Chiefs they would, have, they I would, would say, mediocre that. to slightly not great. better receivers, but yeah, they're, they're not, not great. they're certainly not good. And uh, no. Kelsey's the only guy, and uh, they have two weeks to think about how to stop them. So that's, those seem like two really good advantages. Then the flip side is, what if Hurts just sucks or isn't that good? He hasn't had that game yet, though. He hasn't yeah. peed down his leg yet in the big spot. And, you know, you talk to people like... <laughs> Gosh, he comes in as the 53rd overall pick and immediately people in the locker room were like, all right, like Carson's there, but like they're kind of gravitating yeah. towards him. Like he doesn't have that, you know, the moment's too big deal. Like that's just not in his makeup and he's always had to overcome. And you know, the story from Alabama to Oklahoma, we've done that a million times, but like, yeah. I don't know, walks into Oklahoma is captain day one and the, the alpha dog of a, you know, a very big program filling in for Kyler Murray the very next year and takes his team right back where they were. So I, look, I, I don't think there's any thought that it's like you at Fox come right in, <laughs> Go just, explain. take that pregame show over. <laughs> Let's roll. 
Let's go. Uh, I'm upset we're, we're losing Peyton, man. I got to tell you, that guy. Oh, yeah, wait. Hold on. I want to talk about that in one second. Yeah. And one last Mahomes thing. Yeah. Because I want Kyle to maybe turn on the TikTok camera here for a second. Oh, let's go. I'll smile. So if it goes on Twitter, I can be ready for it. All right. Here this we go. makes me nervous taking the Eagles. Go on. The Mahomes piece of, has he had a signature game yet? Has he, his, does he have the game yet? Would you say it's the 13 seconds game? No, I'm I, saying like the, the game that you go to and you're just like, that was the game. Is it the 13 seconds game? Yes. Because I feel like that that game was so weird, it almost overshadowed how good Mahomes was in the game. You're right. But does was, he have like his Elway the drive type he's of got game? Because he almost had it against the Patriots. And then we came back and we got some third downs in their fucking ass and we beat them. D, D Ford went off sides. That's why you won and that D game. D Ford anyway. went off sides. That, that, helped, that, that helped too. Uh, he's had the 24 to nothing. They're down to the Texans and Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson in the playoffs. Oh, come on. It's a fucking Texans. That, 51-31. Yeah, not that accepting that one. Nope. All right. Super Bowl, Super Bowl down 10 in the fourth quarter, third and 15. He looks to the enemy and says, should we run it? Uh, yeah, sure, run it. They run the Wasp play. He hits Tyreek Hill. They don't lose. They come right back, roaring back in the fourth quarter, win by double digits. That was but pretty good. he wasn't good. awesome in that game, though. No, he threw two picks. It was not his yeah, best game. That's not the game either. And I honestly, I remember that game more for Jimmy G missing somebody by Emmanuel foot, Sanders. That the Niners yep. would have won the touchdown. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then you would say, oh, the 13 second game, because that was amazing. The legacy of that game to me is how did how did the Bills even allow that? The game is over. It was so stupid. And the and the most obvious play is like, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna throw to Kelsey right over the middle and call a timeout. Bill's like, whoa! Didn't know that was coming. So that's what worries me is like I do feel like Philly has a better team. What about this Bengals game? What about the AFC championship game? Playing on one ankle with no Juju and no Hardman and no Kadarius Tony and he no Willie a, Gay. He missed a few throws in that game, though. He wasn't pretty valiant. Was a gutty performance. He was yeah. really good, but he wasn't like, I'm not going to be telling my grandkids about it. Like, <laughs> you think about somebody there. like Elway, even the helicopter, even Marino, who never won a title, but like he won that Monday Night Football game against the 85 Bears. And it was like incredible. It was one of the great random Monday sporting event. Like, I, I think it's the best Monday Night Football game of all time, other yeah, than maybe Pat's yeah, Ravens. You had the undefeated Dolphins on the sideline cheering him on. It was crazy. That was a great Oh, one. yeah. That game was amazing. It's and on YouTube, Pat's, by the way, for people. But Pat's Ravens with I don't Rex think Mahomes has the game yet. So that's what made me think, like, I wonder if this is going to be it. It's. You like Look, this theory. I love this theory. I, to, that's a, Bill, that's a, I mean, to say that Mahomes hasn't had the game yet is like almost. He you hasn't. Know, you just really gave me, you gave me fucking Houston. They're down 24 nothing in a playoff game. Oh, oh my God. I can't wait to tell my son's children <laughs> about that one. Oh, he, he beat Bill O'Brien. <laughs> he beat Kenny Stills The Pats offensive in coordinator game. in 2023. <laughs> now it's, it's to me like Brady never really had the game either. Okay, and then go on. he had he had Seattle, the yep. Super Bowl, but then that kind of also became the Malcolm Butler game, and that overshadowed that, right? So it was like Brady, incredible, like he two touchdown drives against this amazing defense, like backs to the wall, just going to Edelman over and over again. But then there's no going to lose if Butler doesn't make the play, so it becomes Butler combined with everything. Yeah, but then he has the Falcons game. That's it, and it's That's like the one. Not only was that the game, that was like the game. That's the game, the game that's anyone's it. had. And it was like, that's done. And people slammed the mic and was like, it's this over. is over. He's the GOAT. And I wonder if this is the game for Mahomes. Yeah. 
I, it's it's awesome that's even a it's even a conversation piece. It's funny. Last but he also week, has ten years, twelve years left to have the still, game. It doesn't have to be this year. Last last week they they win the game and like Mahomes never talks shit. He never yeah. bloats. You know, oh, I know. There was this great like like just a, like oh, like a little edge to him. And you know Kelsey's calling the Cincinnati mayor a jabroni, but Patrick Mahomes tells Tracy Wolfson like quietly in his own way, and he's like, you know, they're gonna. They're, they're, we're gonna go celebrate. We don't smoke cigars here. Like that was his little shot at Burrow. And right. then after the game, he was like, "You know, I think uh, the media. I think five percent of the media picked us." And I'm like, "You guys were favored." Like, no, but like he leaned into it. He thought five percent of the media picked them to win. I'm like, mm, "No, but okay." But like he is starting to feel like, "Wait a second, you like want to you want to crown Allen? You want to crown Burrow?" Mother effort, I'm here. You know, I'm yeah. the dude. And maybe this is the game he silences it all forever in this whole generation of guys because since he's won the MVP, Lamar was the guy, and then Allen was the guy, and then Burrow was the guy. Even Watson for a right. while was putting No, it's always been me. I'm the guy. I'm the best in the game. He had generation. two real challengers, Allen and Burrow, and then probably Herbert next year. Um all right, let's go, let's go. Um so I know you're gonna lean Chiefs. So I'm not even gonna ask you. you you've yeah. Euro is like I proof. think so. You, you're always like, uh, prove to me I shouldn't pick the Chiefs. Is kind of your mentality. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I feel comfortable. It's worked picking out for you pretty them. well. It's yeah. worked out pretty well. I wouldn't pick against them. Um, I know the Eagles have had this incredible run, and if they win, I will not be at all surprised or upset. Um, I'm not rooting for the Chiefs. I just until <laughs> I, I'm not picking against Mahomes. I just think he's that good, and I think he finds a way. I'm leaning Eagles right now, but I also have not run the manifesto rules yet. And there's a couple <laughs> quarterback rules. And I also like, I, I don't have a feel yet for the nobody believes in us or any of the, any of the factors. All right, let's do the speed round before we go. Uh, some football let's go. stuff. Fire them at me. Um, your guy, Sean Payton's going to the Broncos for boatloads of money and is now going to become the Russell Wilson rejuvenator. I guess is going to be his job. They have no picks. It seems like a like a dumb move. Like if he was my buddy, I'd be like, dude, I know that's a lot of money. I know Denver's cool, but you have no picks and you have a quarterback who looked like shit last year. What are you doing? I'd completely why do you want to be in the Mahomes Herbert division? What are you doing? Pick another team. So why did he pick the team? I had a long talk with him the Sunday before um, he decided over the weekend. And there was a lot of reports out there that um, there was no seats at the table for him and that it was going to be next year. And he goes on Fox and he's wearing an orange tie and he like is talking to me like, should I wear the orange tie? Because he knew it was happening. I'm like, yes, yeah. coach. Wear the like This is the shit he cares about. He's going to make $18, 19000000 million a year. But like, should I wear the orange tie? I'm like, yes, wear the orange tie. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Wear the orange tie. And his whole thing was not about like, Oh, I need to coach Russ. Like he's authentic. He, you know, he doesn't know Russ that well. That his relationship with Russ dates back to a Pro Bowl where they had a really good interaction with him. And Drew Brees and him both live in San Diego, and he's tight with Brees, and Brees vouches for him. So he watched mm. all, all their stuff, and he's like, I think there's still good football there. But it was really about a few factors. One of them, of course, you could say the money. That's real. Like that's that's legit money that they're paying him. And yes, that that's enough to lure him back into the consideration. But he missed it. He missed it a lot. And he he loves that Broncos tradition. You know, this isn't an expansion team. This isn't some franchise that's been like, they've got Lombardis. They've got history. They've got a fan base that's starving. You signature know, got franchise with signature. great generations of 
fans. Yeah. They've got, they've also got, you know, a two time returning MVP in the NBA in their city. And they've gotten Stanley Cup champion team in their city. And those fans care more about the Broncos than both of They've legalized gambling. They have FanDuel in their city. They're fired up. They've got it all. So, like that. <laughs> and then, then the new owners. Um, he really got along with and it, you know, Penner is, is from the Walton family and they all hit it off. But he actually said like Condoleezza Rice was awesome. The former secretary of state, like they met, they had a really good interaction. So he was like, look, I went all right, to, so they paid him a lot of money and it's a cool city. That's, those are the reasons. Sure. That's about it. Um, like the he, owners, <laughs> like the owners, but ready like also, to get back in. Yeah. He was itching. He was itching to go and like, all right. Yeah, it, I would have waited for places. the chargers. Wait for the chargers job. Just I wait guess. a year. Do I don't TV. know. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that would, I'm gonna my, miss him. that would have been my advice. Just wait one year. Chargers job will be open. You would have liked him in a lot of ways on TV when you were on, like, you know, ESPN. What was it? ESPN, what do they call it? Countdown when you were yeah. there? Yeah, you would have liked yeah. it because he's competitive as shit about like the things that you and me are competitive about. Like he would check like ESPN's ratings the next morning, like the Nielsen ratings. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, I think we beat him in the first hour, but then in the second hour, they came back strong. Oh, you know? that's hilarious. He's like, so he's like, he needed the scoreboard. So he's like, you know, we finish a segment and it's a goofy Fox pregame segment where there's like jokes and afterwards he'll pull me aside. And he's like, so did you think I made a good point? I'm like, I'm like coach, it was a throwaway segment, but like he was that guy, like meticulous to a point. I hope he charged that. Well, He'll be ready it's to good. Go. That's such a fun division. We'll see what happens with the Vegas QBs. Lamar, the reports are 100 million apart. They're, they're I think all over this, the, the reports are all over the place, Bill. I think this <laughs> is, uh, I've thought this was a wrap for weeks. Um, how does it play out? Give us, if you had to predict one thing, you only have one prediction. Yeah. Uh, I would and I'm say saying that, if you're predicting stay, predict he stays. Stay, if you're predicting he gets stay. traded. So stay, you predict but, uh, stay. I think stay, but I think franchise tag, and then we're in this holding pattern. Is what I would say. On, oh you know, I just don't want February. to read that, listen to it, follow I know. it. That's the worst case scenario. They are, they are, they are obviously, you know, looking to keep him in this point, but it ended ugly, and I think the fan base is kind of, you know, it's a little bit curious to see how it's going to play out. But I think plus for, Tyler Huntley's a Pro Bowler. I mean, Pro Bowler. Got to factor that in. You got a Pro Bowler right there. He's a Pro Bowler. Like four games being the Pro Bowl. He is a Pro Bowler, Bill. <laughs> so you think he stays? Rodgers to the Jets? I think Rodgers to the Raiders picked up a lot of heat this week. Um, but then, like, mm. you look at the Packers side of it, that's a $40 million cap hit if they trade Rodgers before June 1st. And it's like, why should we be left holding the bag? You signed a three-year, $105 million deal with us last year. Like, you're going to fulfill your contract. So this isn't coming mm, from the Packers. I like it's, this. It's coming from Rodgers, and he's on the golf course, and he's, you know, giving those those winks to the, to the Raiders fans, and he's engaging, and he's talking with them. And, you know, the CBS golf reporter asked him, she, you know, straight up was like, you know, is there a certain color? He's like, well, the Raiders fans are saying it. And I told Devontae he should buy me a house like oh well you know you could do all that but the Packers own your rights and if if you're talking like that they don't you know they don't need to trade you out of the goodwill of their heart like they could keep you These under people, contract with them. I'm really starting to become old man on the couch with some of this talk stuff. about like, it even, because I am too even like LeBron when just going publicly about how disappointed he was not getting Kyrie the Kyrie trade didn't happen it's like listen if you're trading for Kyrie we all know who's in the trade from your end you have to fucking play with that guy but it's just, I, I I don't know, maybe you get to a certain level of superstardom in sports where you just don't think of You're yourself numb to as of part of a team structure in some ways anymore. But that's the whole point of sports. So Rogers says that stuff about the Raiders and he's got 52 other guys on his team. 
they're looking at that going, who the fuck is this guy? We didn't, he didn't even play well last year. Well, that's the thing. And now it's he's little... like ready to move to Vegas. Fuck you. Go to Vegas. Leave. It, it, I, I'll say this. I, I think the Packers would love to have him back. I think the Jets would love to have him. And I think the Raiders would probably be very interested in bringing him, especially with the but the Jets Devontae the Adams. The I think the Jets, the to me, it, the Jets have not put out any, I mean, you and I said it two weeks ago and everyone, you know, immediately posts yeah. it and you better believe I was, you know, coming in there informed and you're coming in informed that the Jets were not going to extinguish that thought. And they still haven't. They haven't put any, you know, they haven't tried to wet that flame at all because I think it is a legitimate option and they've got a great setup it's for gonna them. It's going to happen. I would, I think Hackett is a really, really intriguing pull. That said... The Raiders thing with Devontae and staying on the West Coast and going that route, like that could make sense too. Um, That's such it, a lame move by him because that team has no chance to compete for a title. Just because of the They're, division? The, the division, the cap situation for them, um, the position Gruden left them in, the even the Chandler Jones contract last year. Like he was one of the worst free agent signings of the year. You know, they, they the just contract. don't have enough good players. We just go to the Jets, especially if Brees Hall comes back in time. Really young, really good, and an offensive coordinator who speaks his language. I think the Jets make a ton of sense. The and Jets might be like a 13-4 and four team. Like, you could go through their schedule and think like the bad luck that they had with the quarterback position, which was self-inflicted, but still. Totally. Um, but talent-wise, and then the injuries and stuff, but I, they still I fully games. expect them to be good. Yeah, I think they're going to be good next year. Yeah, um, the Rodgers thing you're talking about, like all that with the the players and the, you know, and the trades and all that stuff. Like it does hit a little differently this year when you come off a season where your team missed the playoffs in a down NFC. So even the McAfee stuff that he goes on once a week, he says things, but it doesn't feel like it's the same, whoa, blowback media reaction in the last two years. And I'm interested to see like, is what is the trade compensation for Aaron Rodgers? Cause we said a first, I said a first round pick on your podcast a couple of weeks ago from the Jets and people were like, is it even a first round pick? I'm like, I would think so. Maybe a so, second. Yeah. I, so I think it's a first and it's probably a couple, you know, a second or a third as well. And it might be a couple of players. Um, but I would think there's going to be a lot of phone calls, but they still have to eat a lot of that salary and dead money, which is not great for the Packers. Well, also they don't have an owner, which is the other bizarre wrinkle of this. They don't have the Joe Psy no. just coming in and be like, all right, enough with this Kyrie guy. Fucking trade him by Sunday. He's out. Get him out. Packers don't have that guy. No. So they could kind of limp along and do nothing. And then it just turns into this little, I feel like the Lamar, if they don't trade Rogers, the Lamar story and the Rogers story are going to be like, just mute that out of my life. I don't, did you, I don't want to know. Just tell me where they end up. Did you appreciate Brady doing this on a, on a Tuesday, a Super Bowl week of bye week and it's like getting that out of the way and not dragging this on for three months. Or, Cause I thought that was pretty solid. And I'm well, curious. my question is, is Fox paying him? And if they are paying him something, did they tell him like like Greg Olson turned out to be pretty good, a real success story for them? Brian Curtis awesome. wrote about him for the Ringer this week. He got better as the year go along, went along. There's no question. I thought he was on the Collinsworth level by the end of the year, and I don't think they wanted the Brady thing hanging over this whole broadcast lead. When's Brady? Where's Brady? Is this going to be Greg Olson? What are they going to do? I, I think yeah. they just wanted to put a pin in it. Out of, out of I, fair, and I don't think of, Brady knows what he's doing two days from now. I really don't. I don't either. I think his I whole either. life is in complete flux. I agree. I think the family stuff is real. I think the season was brutal. Uh, you know, talking to a lot of my sources close to Brady and also in Tampa Bay, like it was a tough year for him in a lot of ways. And I think 
Him, oh, yeah. Him going on Coward, which is not his, you know, it's not Jim Gray on the Let's Go podcast. It's Colin Coward, where it's not like they have this long relationship. He went on with him on Monday as part of the Fox relationship, I'm sure, and came out and said, I will not be in that booth next season. I will not do it until 2024. I think that was a fair thing to do and a, and a really cool thing to do because Olsen and Burkhart are about to get started with their week of media and you don't want this whole week to be about, oh, yeah. is this your last time? You know, it was cool of Brady to do that. It was also strategic in a way where, all right, let's punt this one year. Let me figure out what I want to do because I don't know if he's ever going to be doing 17 weeks on the road calling Jaguars Titans. Like, I don't know if that's his thing, but let's see in a year. Let's see what you want to do. And Tom Brady, if you want to be in the booth, I think people would be very happy to hear what his thoughts are on football. I would say it's 50-50. We see him. 50-50? At all? As a, as a like, announcer person. I could see, you know, can't you see him doing some studio stuff and being an ambassador and, like, you know, I I feel like if Brady's on television, I'm watching. I know that. We'll see. I don't I don't think he has any idea what he's doing with anything. <laughs> like, literally with anything. I don't think he has any clue. Do you think he's definitely retired? No. Yeah. I that's don't. A common, that's a common thought. It's not a thought. I don't think he's retired. I just don't think he found a team that he wanted to play for. And I think he's keeping his options open because he's Tom Brady. You don't turn that switch off until everybody tells you there's no team left for you to play for. Peyton Manning would have freaking played. He said it. He would have played that year after the Super Bowl. He couldn't even throw like a 20-yard pass anymore. Do you know Brady kept playing. Do you know Brady led the league in pass attempts this year? His arm still looked good at the end. Yeah. And he <laughs> saved his body because he knew that team was dog shit. So he tried to get through without taking a big hit. Um, all right. So Arizona, you're going. And yeah. uh, we'll talk to you at some point this spring after after uh, the Super Bowl. But when you're in Glendale, yeah, there's a statue now of my dad and I hastily... <laughs> sadly skulking out of the stadium right after the Tyreek just, catch. Just a helmet As the catch. Giant fans are going nuts. You can see it. There's a statue of us just hightailing it out of there. So say hi to the statue. I will. You're you're a foodie. Everyone talks about the, the your buddy Bianco and his pizza. What's the one restaurant I've got to get to in the Phoenix Scottsdale area? You've been I there mean, a million times. It's the Bianco one. It's I've be, never been. It's, you can't it's worth, get, can't I mean, get I live in. in Brooklyn, New York. It's... I, it's that good that I need to get the pizza in Phoenix, Arizona. You gotta like pull all your celebrity cards. Try okay. to get in. All right. Um, Shrigs, good to see you. Great season for us. Great season. We'll see what happens with million dollar picks, but uh, fun talking football with you all year. Sad everybody in Arizona. You're the best. Good luck, man. Enjoy your pick, and uh, I will be listening for sure. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Shrigs. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. As always, don't forget we have a big deadline podcast for the NBA trade deadline on Thursday. It's going to be multiple parts. Might start putting them up uh, right before the deadline. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows what kind of trades are going to happen. We'll be ready. Get your earlobes ready. Get your ears ready. Get your headphones ready. We'll be there on Thursday. See you then. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.